deceptive manipulative. Is also a former social worker and a political campaign activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Eerie Americas. This is Vicky Ayala. And I'm Christy Hull. What's up, peeps? That was probably one of the best times I started the episode. Of that the was. Episode. You just like went right into the rhythm. It was really great. <laughs> I finally learned how to do this after like 60 episodes. What do they say? It's 10,000 hours to perfect an instrument. It's probably like 100 hours of podcast episode hosting that it takes. That's all that that is. But yeah, I don't know about you guys over here. It is hot. It is like a Thursday evening and Chris, it's like 95 degrees where Christy is. Meanwhile, in New York, it's 82. I can't complain because I'm a summer baby. I love the heat and everything. But one of the benefits that I was really looking forward to in my apartment was the fact that there's a pool, right? The 4th of July obviously just passed and there was a ton of people going in and out. We're, we're only allowed a certain amount of capacity. You know, we're trying to respect the Colorado rules so that we can still enjoy certain amenities, you know, so of course we're trying to keep distant. But since the 4th of July, I've been trying to get in this pool, right? So here it is like five days later. And of course, I'm like, finally, it's hot today. Let me go outside. The pool needs chlorine. There's no way I'm getting in it. It looks like it's covered in green COVID. I am not getting in it. And I'm like, why are they doing this to me? And isn't it going to be like 100 degrees tomorrow? (laughs) Meanwhile, the whole time that this has been, we've been on lockdown, they've been putting chlorine in it. It has just been sitting there taunting me. They put chlorine in a pool that nobody was using and now people are using it and there's no chlorine in the pool. Don't get me wrong because we're all adults here at this apartment complex. Funny enough, there's only like one kid that I've seen and maybe two dogs. The rest of us are in our 30s. We all have cats. We all drink beer. I've seen everyone in my building drinking beer. It has not failed. My neighbors love beer. Everyone out here, Colorado's big on beer. So I'm 90% certain that someone must have dumped some beer in it because the color is like foamy and weird. Ew. It looks, yeah, I it's mean, just I not mean, attractive if it was on for July a pool. 4th that this happened, I'm gonna bet that it had something to do with alcohol because of course. July 4th. I'm sure. But the point is, is like, I've literally been waiting five days and I'm all or six days now and of all the times for it to not be clean it has to be when it's absurdly hot this week so what's going on with you i really have nothing going on here it's just you know i'm working i'm in the office certain days i'm home certain days you know i moved into my apartment other than that i have just been working on the podcast it's actually pretty calm like i haven't had a lot of time in my life that especially in the last few months that has been super calm i i have a little bit of like relaxation going on where I actually have time for myself and to do things. The only thing I have to complain about is the fact that, and it's just going on all around the country, is the fact that they've been doing fireworks every night for like three Ugh. weeks. But finally, last night was a night with no fucking fireworks. So Lena, myself, and Ryan were all able to actually sleep. What is the deal this year about the fireworks? Like why is I there think so that many? It's a very it's a combination of a few things. It was like there was no fireworks shows obviously this year. So there was like a shit ton of fireworks that just were sitting there. And I think that they really just went into neighborhoods and sold them to people because they needed to make the money because some of these fireworks were not the regular stupid fireworks that you see. Like they sounded like fucking dynamite. Yeah. Like and two nights ago 
I had an issue because I actually had no fireworks all night. And then all of a sudden at 3.30 in the morning, there was boom, 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 boom. Then it stopped. And then at five o'clock in the morning, it was, I'm like five o'clock in the morning, the sun's already coming up. You can't even see what you're doing. You can't see the fireworks because there's light out. And so I got like very little sleep and I, you know, I function on little sleep, but I literally got like no sleep that day. When she says she got low sleep, she means like she got 90 minutes of sleep. Yeah, like literally I probably got like an hour and a half to two hours because I kept waking up. But last night was like the first night that they did no fireworks. So I'm so well rested because we actually slept. But other than that, that's just been it. Well, you told me an interesting story about your cousin. So um, I have a cousin that I, I'm i actually getting closer to now. And you know, like when you have a little cousin, that's like a lot. It, it seems like they're a lot younger than you until you, you're 34 and they're 20 something. And you're like, oh, that's not the big yeah. difference. And we were just randomly talking about like random shit. He hadn't listened to the podcast before, but he happened to bring up something about like other dimensions and I was like oh well Chrissy did this episode so he's listening to that episode. all about it he gave me kind of a freaky story and I actually have another story that branches out because I actually had someone else one of our close friends that also gave me another story about a dimension thing so I'm gonna go into it in lieu of an email I'm gonna tell you the stories of my friends and for some reason everybody's having issues with dimensions this week so my cousin tells tells me I went with my friend to get a a Louis Vuitton bag for a girl he wasn't even dating. I remember thinking how stupid he was for dropping all this money. And I remember being in the store and being looked at weird by security. I remember looking at a belt and making a gesture at the price. And even remember making a corny joke when we left about giving her the paper bag and saying, it's your Louis bag. But I brought it up recently to my friend and he was like, you weren't there. And then my cousin goes, yes, I was. And he even called, his friend called the person he actually went with. And the person was even annoyed. And he was like, yeah, I know I was there. Julian wasn't there. What? My cousin, it's like, I was fucking there. I have all of this in my memory. And him and this kid are saying that I wasn't there. And how would he know that he bought her that bag if he wasn't there? How would he know that? It's not like he said it and then he filled in all these gaps. It's so weird when you hear things like that. It's so unexplainable. That reminds me of that Reddit post that I had read a few weeks back. I went back and basically the person stated, there really is no answer to this. Like, I understand there's a ton of theories and a ton of possibilities. And it's funny because I told my cousin about that Reddit post and now he's like, I have to listen to this. So now I have another friend, Jan's husband, and we were talking and he was like, oh, I have like something weird to tell you. Um, For some reason, I can't find the exact text messages, but I know exactly what the story is. Basically, he had, I think his grandfather passed away and this was years ago and his grandfather was telling like his sister or his aunt or something about a conversation that sh- that he had with Kellen on Facebook that Kellen has no idea what he's talking about. But then Kellen has a recollection of a conversation he had with his grandfather on Facebook that the grandfather knew nothing about. And then like the sister also has a conversation that nobody knows. Like they're all like basically recall conversations with each other that never happened. But they all, all had it around the same time but it's weird because his his family member was like oh yeah i just spoke to him and, and we talked about this and it's like full-blown conversations that but then i asked kellen i'm like and he kellen looked on on it and everything there's no proof of this conversation but he knows he had there's it. a movie about this i forget the name of it i want to say it was called webcam girl or something like that basically this girl was a webcam girl she was trying to make it to number one to be like the top sex webcam girl And one day she logs in and she couldn't log in, but somebody else that looked exactly like her was on the webcam. So she had to do an investigation and it turns out that they data mined her so much that they were able to make a robot version of her. 
That's crazy. So that's so crazy. It, it, sometimes I think social media is scary like that because we don't know what the world. Yeah, you can completely remember these things and like everything keeps track of everything. And I'm telling you, none of them could find these conversations that they very clearly. And not just that, happening. like you got to remember, like our grandparents think that our lifestyles, like social media and being able to stay in touch at the drop of a hat is such a crazy phenomenon. So if they think that's nuts, what is it going to look like for the future for us? How do we know yeah. that Facebook won't be answering for us? Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just one of those things like, is that what they're doing? Are they playing these games? Are they testing? And this is my conspiracy theorist brain going off into a million But pings. I also feel like, you know me how I feel about other dimensions. I just feel like for some reason, some of us go yeah. in and out because my cousin said that's it also because he said sometimes he mm-hmm. feels like he's been in another dimension and back. So I told them both, and for anybody listening that is interested in any type of interdimensional anything, season one, episode seven called, well, thank you, Sasquatch, is Christy's episode with four very crazy stories about interdimensional travel, and it scared the shit out of me, and I remember how scared I was and how much it freaked me out. Pretty sure that's one of the episodes I was drunk by the end. Listen to that episode because it happens. Like, it happens all the time, and I feel like sometimes we kind of just dismiss it because we can't explain it. But those are the things that I feel like we shouldn't dismiss. Those are the things I wish we would spend our our taxes on, figuring out this whole structure of time and what we think of about the galaxy. You get scared, but I'm fascinated. Like, I'm truly fascinated by it. And that's what my cousin was saying. He's like, I feel like I love stuff about interdimensional travel and my cousin was saying the same thing he was like well i do believe that there's other dimensions because we're we are we're, we're on a frequency like there's no way that there's just there's other things and we're just so conditioned to not believe it and we said it was the same thing as the fact that children are more susceptible for paranormal and then they grow up and then life and society and all these other things are jaded and kind of block your view it's the same thing with that you're just so conditioned to think that those things couldn't and shouldn't happen and then when they do happen everybody labels you as crazy because god god forbid but that's what it was so i found that really really interesting that i had two stories this this same week because kellen's story was a couple days ago my cousin's story was today within the last couple of days two crazy dimension stories i could interdimensional travel i would be the girl that wasn't dating that guy that got that louis bag i can't get my husband i mean i don't particularly want a louis bag but if i did there's no way my husband would i get would it. take a free louis how do you bag? get somebody you're not dating somebody Listen, i don't want. care about louis i will always take a free bag okay period point doesn't matter who <laughs> it's from it doesn't matter if if i asked my husband for a purse he'd be like you already have a purse <laughs> like- i will take a bag anytime anywhere thank you very much <laughs> This episode is based on the fascinating and at times cringeworthy anomalies that occur to one of the most mysterious places in the world, the human body. As mammals, we have a complex and dynamic system that we really don't give credit to. As someone who's come into this world with missing parts, including only three wisdom teeth, don't ask, don't ask me why, (laughs) believe me, it's something I have thought of. Wait, wait, hold on. So instead of just having like no wisdom teeth, mm-hmm. which would probably be more normal, or like two wisdom teeth, you had to have three wisdom teeth. I got an x-ray and my doctor told me that I have three. The fourth is not even up there. It's like doesn't exist. God, you're so weird, Christy. <laughs> you're just such a medical like marvel. <laughs> well, we're not supposed to have wisdom teeth. I guess my I'm evolving. Your body's I'm an advanced, advanced human being, okay? One kidney, one missing wisdom tooth. That's just how it is. But the thing is, like, there's some, I'm sure there's other people born with one kidney, but they only function as one kidney. Your kidney functions mm-hmm. as two. Yeah. Like, who does, who, Me. who? That's my who does that for today. <laughs> who has a kidney that functions for two? But believe me, I am grateful that despite all the weirdness I was born with, I'm generally happy and healthy. And above all, medical science knows what my issues were and they were solvable. However, many people have not been so fortunate. 
These are medical cases that defy even the most modern technological advancements and have left the world of medicine reeling to this day. The first case I found on allthatsinteresting.com, and it's about Gloria Ramirez. Gloria Ramirez was an ordinary woman living in Riverside, California, and she was married and had two children. Her Reverend Brian Taylor called her a friend to everyone she met and a joker who brought joy to others. However, all that changed on February 19, 1994, when Gloria was rushed to General Hospital in Riverside. She was undergoing a rapid heart rate and a drop in blood pressure. The woman could hardly breathe, and she was answering questions like incoherent sentences. They couldn't really understand. Probably wasn't registering to her what they were asking. So clearly, something's going on. Right. To make the case even more unusual, the woman was just 31 years old, and she also had late-stage cervical cancer. So she's already kind of a weirdo, too, like yours truly, which could explain her deteriorating medical condition to some extent. Doctors and nurses came to work on Ramirez right away to try to save her life. They followed procedure as much as possible by injecting her with drugs to try to bring her vital signs to normal. Nothing was working. When nurses removed the woman's shirt to apply the defibrillator electrodes, they noticed a strangely oily sheen on her body. Medical staff also smelled a fruity, garlicky odor coming from her mouth. Nurses then placed a syringe in Ramirez's arm to obtain a blood sample. Her blood smelled like ammonia, and there was manila particles floating in her blood. For people that might not know this, all of this is strange. This is not something you see every day. Yeah, like in case you don't know how strange, this is all abnormal. The sheen, the smell, the blood sample, and no explanation for why someone, I'm pretty sure she wasn't that old, has a rapid heartbeat. And cervical cancer at the same time. Right. And normally, like, when your blood pressure is really, really low, your heart rate is so low that they, they, like, it happened to my mother where her blood pressure was so low that they thought her heart was going to stop. You don't normally have an elevated heart rate and low blood pressure. It's kind of opposite. So really strange stuff already occurring with this woman. The doctor in charge of the ER that night looked at the blood sample and agreed with the nurses on duty that, like, something was up. They were like, what are these particles floating in blood? Like, what is this? There's routine things in your blood. There's plasma and stuff like that. But, like, literally to the eye like they can see it with their naked eye particles yeah so something wasn't right clearly with this patient and it had nothing to do with her heart failure but suddenly one of the attending nurses fainted another nurse suddenly started developing breathing problems a third nurse passed out what the actual fuck i would have ran out that room and when she awoke she was unable to move her arms or legs what the fuck is going on it's one thing for you to have like something weird happening to you but it's affecting other people in the room multiple people And not just that, remember, doctors and nurses, I swear, they have the highest ability, like their immune systems, just their tolerance goes up so high being around sick people. One of my brother-in-law's girlfriends is a nurse. And when she first started the first year, she was sick constantly. Now she goes in all the time, nothing. And they also like, they also tend to, to be able to see weird shit and not pass out. Like that doesn't really affect them as much. So to hear that three separate nurse, like, no, this is not, this is not a normal situation. A total of six people were unable to treat Gloria because they kept having strange symptoms that were somehow related to her. They couldn't figure out why every time they approached this woman, they were getting sick. That's not something that's very normal. I mean, this is the case for right now, maybe with coronavirus, but it's the same thing. You are not going to get hit with corona and right away pass out. That's not even how that works. Symptoms range from fainting and shortness of breaths to nausea and temporary paralysis. Unfortunately, as well, Gloria died that night. Even after the patient's death, the night at the hospital got even weirder. Holy crap. In order to handle the body, a special team arrived in hazmat suits. I've never seen that happen. I don't know about you. 
it doesn't happen. I mean, it's happened, but like this happened back when like Ebola and like with COVID because they thought that the yeah. body could transfer something over. But to have someone that that does, that's not that's not a normal thing either to have people with hazmat suits come bring the body out. The team searched for ER for any signs of poison gas, toxins, or other foreign substances. The hazmat team didn't find anything that could suggest how the medical staff fainted. The team then put the body in a sealed aluminum casket. An autopsy didn't happen until almost a week later, and in a special room where the autopsy team conducted its work in hazmat suits as a precaution. So it was a week later. People must have been so scared that they were like, we got to prepare. We got to go in in hazmat suits. I mean, I have met somebody that has, you know, done like autopsies and stuff like that. They are pretty fearless. So for them to have to go in hazmat suits, it's pretty scary. Like I would be like really nervous if I were those people. The press dubbed Ramirez, quote, the toxic lady, because no one could get near the body without facing a bevy of medical issues. Yet no one could point to a definitive cause shortly after her death. Officials conducted three separate autopsies. One occurred six days after her death, then six weeks and right before her her burial. A more thorough autopsy happened on March 25th, more than a month after Gloria had passed away. The team concluded that there were signs of Tylenol, lidocaine, codeine, and tigan in her system. Tigan is an anti-nausea medication and it breaks down into amines in the body. Amines are related to ammonia, which could explain the ammonia smell in Ramirez's blood sample at the hospital. But more importantly, the toxicology report said that Ramirez had large amounts of dimethyl sulfone in her blood and tissues. Dimethyl sulfone does occur naturally in the human body as it breaks down certain substances. Once it enters the body, it disappears quickly with a half-life of just three days. However, there was so much in Ramirez's system, it registered at three times the normal amount six weeks following her death. Holy shit, so I can't imagine what it was at that moment. What it was when she walked into the hospital, who knows? Three weeks later, on April 12th, 1994, county officials announced that Ramirez died of a heart failure due to the kidney failure brought on by the late-stage cervical cancer. Ramirez diagnosed with cancer six weeks before her death, so really shortly before all this happened. The unusual substances in her blood were too low to explain her death, even though there were elevated levels of ammonia in the sulfone in, the sulfone in her body. It took county officials two months to release the body for a proper funeral because of the toxicity levels and fears that people would faint or pass out the woman's family was infuriated like how do you explain that though like that's the thing it's like sorry can't give your family member's body back so you can't say goodbye but we can't tell you why it must have been so frustrating and sad you know this is like people are afraid to do an autopsy on your parent that must have been really devastating her sister blamed deplorable conditions at the hospital for her death Although the facility was cited for violations in the past, there was nothing in the county's investigation that pointed to conditions in the hospital being at fault. Plus, she went in sick. Right. It's not like she went in perfectly healthy and and died after that. After an investigation lasting several months, officials concluded that the hospital staff suffered from too much stress. Um, they work in a hospital. There's always too much stress. Yes, exactly. And suffered from mass sociogenic illness triggered by an odor. In other words, mass hysteria. I think what happened was, was they couldn't figure out what it so was. And like we were saying, mass hysteria they, on it. they were like, okay, you guys were all just going nuts. That's all. But everyone smelled the smells. Everyone saw the blood. Because it's somehow easier to just tell a bunch of people they went nuts than to try to figure this shit out. But medical staff at the hospital like refused that and urged the coroner's office to take a closer look at the file because again, Absolutely, why, you're around sick people all the time. Why would all of a sudden this one patient yeah. comes in and there's mass hysteria. That doesn't make any sense. And even if that was the case, a body that's so toxic, you held it on, held onto it for six weeks because you couldn't bury it. 
does not make sense. This is not just, oh, mass hysteria. The assistant deputy director, Pat Grant, made a startling conclusion. Ramirez covered her skin from head to toe in DMSO, or the dimethyl sulfane, as a possible way to cure her late-stage cervical cancer. Medical science has now labeled DMSO a toxic substance since, actually, 1965. The reasons for Ramirez's use of substance on her skin goes back to when DMSO was all the rage as a cure-all. Research in the early 60s led doctors to believe that DMSO could relieve pain and reduce anxiety. Athletes would even rub cream on their skin to try to relieve their aches and muscles. Then, in a study in mice showed DMSO could ruin your eyesight, the fad of DMSO stopped for the most part. But it gained an underground following as a cure-all for many types of ailments. And by the 1970s, the only way to get the substance was a degreaser in where in like hardware stores. So you had to go to like get it in a form as a degreaser. So what do they think that she just went, got this stuff and like rolled herself around in it for the six, maybe the, for the six weeks Yeah, that she maybe she sick. thought this was the cure-all according to them. The DMSO found in degreasers was 99% pure as opposed to the less concentrated form that was in muscle creams in the 60s. So it's like more like the one that your body makes rather than something you rub on yourself. So there goes that explanation. Pat looked up what happens to DMSO when it's exposed to oxygen and had a revelation. The substance converts dimethyl sulfate, not sulfone, because it adds oxygen to its chemical structure. Sulfate acts much differently than the sulfone. As a gas, dimethyl sulfate vapors destroy cells in people's eyes, lungs, and mouth. When this vapor gets into the body, it can cause convulsions, delirium, and paralysis. So maybe that's part of it. It was sulfate, not sulfone, because it was... Exactly. And then it would also explain the nurse's temporary paralysis. The fainting, yeah. Of the 20 symptoms described by medical staff that night, 19 of them matched the symptoms of those who had exposure to the dimethyl sulfate vapors. The medical staff didn't suffer from mass hysteria or stress, as originally stated. They suffered from the dimethyl sulfate poisoning. The theory adds up to the facts of the case. DMSO creams could explain the doctor's notes on Ramirez's skin. It could also explain like that fruity, garlicky smell they said they smelled in her mouth. The most likely explanation is that she used it to relieve the pain caused by her cancer. However, the family of Gloria Ramirez denied she ever used DMSO. Could she have? I mean, my thing is when people get sick, you'll try to do things and you'll do it on the slide trying to get away with it. But how do you do it for that for six weeks and your family not notice or your husband not smell it on you? If it's that pungent, wouldn't your husband have gone, what are you putting on? Like what's on your skin? You know, like how did no one in their family notice that something wasn't right? It just, to me, it didn't sound like a, a viable explanation. I feel like it's it sounds plausible, but might not be the exact cause of it. Like, it makes sense, but just because something makes sense doesn't mean that's what happened. Totally. No matter how someone looks at this case, it's sad all the way around. The young woman found out she had cancer too late, and she couldn't do anything about it. And maybe she did try this. Who knows? But in the end, Gloria Ramirez, his nickname is the toxic lady, is the last sad note of her final days. That's what makes me sad. It's like this whole thing happened, and she's just getting known as the toxic lady. The next case is from medium.com. I found it and it's about a kid named Landon Jones. Landon Jones lived life like any other 12 year old kid. However, he nor his parents could ever imagine the inexplicable occurrence that would take place on October 14, 2013. This is recent. Yeah. The day before, Landon rode his bike and later ate some slices of pizza and a bowl of ice cream. Typical 12 year old stuff. The following morning, Landon woke up and discovered he no longer felt hungry or thirsty. Like at all. Quote, something happened in the middle of the night, Michael Jones said, and he woke up this way and it hasn't stopped. In addition to his loss of hunger or thirst, noted is that Landon felt dizzy to the point of almost passing out. His chest also clogged with phlegm that he kept coughing up. 
Concerned, his parents took him in for an examination. An x-ray revealed a bacterial infection in Landon's left lung. The infection got eradicated shortly after. However, the family's quest for answers would take them on countless doctor's appointments. Their local pediatrician in Waterloo, Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, Madison, Wisconsin, and the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, because they couldn't figure out why he wasn't hungry or thirsty. So they traveled all around to try to figure this out. With no answers still on the table, his parents have resorted to acting in place of his hypothalamus, encouraging him to eat and drink as often as they can. They routinely check his lunchbox to see how much he ate when neither are around. At school, his teachers are trained to make secret hand signal to Landon throughout the school day to remind him to drink water during class. Imagine never being hungry or thirsty, ever. See, I don't mind being thirsty. I would love to never be hungry again because I eat too much. But that also has to be weird. Like, you just don't feel that. But it's not like your body doesn't need it. You're just not feeling it. You say that now. Imagine for 48 hours you forget to eat or drink drink water. Like, you can only survive three days without water. Imagine you just die because you completely forget to drink water. Because it's just like you feel like You just don't have the sensation or the will to drink it anymore. So weird. How does that just fucking happen? Since losing his desire to eat or drink, Landon began losing weight, going from 104 pounds down to 68. He was already small. He started having less energy than his energetic young brother and stopped participating in school activities due to getting dizzy. Like, imagine you can't tell how many calories you need. You know, like, as a 12-year-old, you're still growing. You still need all of that. I know this might sound like, oh my god, just eat. It's like, when you don't have a desire to eat, and I can tell you this because it's something that happened, you know, after my mom passed you it's not easy you can't just shove food down your throat Mm -hmm. and eat it it is so difficult to eat when you have absolutely no desire to wanting nothing more than be normal his father even quit his job to have more time to look after his son that's horrible because you literally have to like sit there 24 hours a day making sure they don't pass out in the year the mystery illness occurred landon ended up missing 65 days of school due to the affliction and his family's quest for answers amid the sea of calls texts and emails from all over the world one possible explanation might lead to a solution scientist and engineer sharon churchill working for the VA Medical Center in Battle Creek, Michigan, thinks she knows what could have caused Landon's affliction. A year before his affliction, Landon was taking prescribed valpric acid to present seizures. According to Churchill, a combination of Landon's genetic predisposition and age at the time with his intake of valpric acid and among other factors could have seriously upset the microbes in his upper intestinal tract. That led to his immune system getting affected, which could then lead to the bacterial infection. As a result, the chains of events affected his hypothalamus as well. Regardless of the facts and possible answers, all this family wants is the most definitive answer and solution to their son's affliction. The most recent information on Landon's affliction date back to 2014, and I can't seem to find any updates past that. So whether Landon has gotten better or not, I can't say for sure. I do hope the situation has at least gotten somewhat better. So you're telling me the only valid explanation they have is that some pill that he took a year before all of a sudden made him not want to eat or drink anything? So there's always side effects. When you watch commercials on TV, that person says all 930 seconds. That's what they know. How do they know what else happens? Right. That's what's scary about taking medication, especially as a growing kid. If like I were a parent, I would be That's so scared like, all the time. I had a lot of like issues as a kid and my, my parents really like, I did not take like a Tylenol even until I was an adult because there's just certain things you don't take at that age because you're still growing you're still developing and I remember when I was like in high school I like developed an ulcer and they gave me all these medications for like the ulcer and it caused so many issues for me because I was 16 years old and it yeah it helped with the ulcer but it caused so many other issues with 
with my body because you're taking something that's made for adults whose bodies are developed already while you're still developing. And he was only 12 years old. And if he took that drug a year before, he was 11. 11, you're already giving a kid medication. And I get it, he had seizures, but you like really never know what is going on in your body with this medication. You just don't. It's true. And like, I'm telling you, my stepmother, she's a pharmaceutical rep. So she she has to learn all of these. And every single time she's learning a medication, there is like two inches worth of side effects she yeah, has to memorize. My sister works in pharmaceutical advertising and her job is to really research these drugs. And she tells me sometimes like the side effects, it's just like, is it even worth it? Yeah. You're just better off kind of staying where you're at. But let's not get into the whole medical thing. But I just found the first two very fascinating and something to think over about. This next one is probably the most famous case. You're going to know it. I know everyone's going to know it, but I just had to throw it in there because it's still super fascinating. I found this one on Smart Meter News and it's the Havana Syndrome. This is probably the most famous case that we may all have an opinion on. In the winter of 2017, the American embassy in Havana was in a precarious state. The embassy, a six-story tower that sits next to the seawall known as the Malecon, was built in 1953, and during the five decades in which diplomatic relations between Cuba and the U.S. were suspended, it suffered from neglect. Salt and humidity from the ocean ate away at the pins holding up the marble facade. Work crews erected a fence around the most vulnerable area to ensure that no one was impaled by shards of marble tumbling from the walls. So more than 20 diplomatic personnel in Cuba were apparently affected by a range of unexplained health problems, which typically began after hearing strange grating or vibrating sounds from which they said were coming from a specific direction and occurred when they were at home or in the hotel room. So it kind of gives you an idea. Malecon's not far off. These diplomats are staying there and they're getting these weird sounds. Other people nearby couldn't hear the sounds. The U.S. blamed Cuba for the mysterious attacks, which worsened the already catastrophic diplomatic rift between the two countries. But new research suggests that Cuba had no hand in the alleged incident and that no such purposeful targeting of the diplomats may have happened at all. A report in the journey in the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine, authored by a leading sociologist and an expert in neurodegenerative diseases, suggests that a concussion-like symptoms, which became known as the Havana Syndrome, were caused by emotional trauma and fear. So you're telling me 20 different diplomats heard the same different sounds and noises, and it was mass hysteria. Again, it was mass hysteria and like psychosomatic. Yeah, that's like everybody's explanation when they can't explain shit. The so-called attacks were first reported by staff in late 2016. So this isn't the diplomats complaining about this at first. It was staff, aka the people that are there the most, and affected more and more people, including Canadian diplomatic staff. At the time, speculation centered around the use of an unknown sonic weapon. The U.S. State Department said the health said the health problems were either a result of the attack or due to exposure to an as-of-yet unknown device. As a result, in August 2017, the U.S. expelled two Cuban diplomats in direct response to the unexplained illnesses. The following month, the U.S. Embassy then removed all non-essential staff from the U.S. Embassy in Havana and warned U.S. citizens not to travel to Cuba. The new research paper, led by author Dr. Robert Bartholomew, writes that the Havana Syndrome is more akin to shell shock, with the symptoms paralleling those associated with war trauma. Quote, A characteristic feature of combat syndromes over the past century is the appearance of an array of neurological complaints from an overstimulated nervous system that are commonly misdiagnosed as concussions and brain damage. He added, a signature feature of cell shock was concussion-like symptoms. Like today, their appearance initially baffled physicians until a more careful review of the data determined that was some of the descriptions from 100 years ago virtually identical, right down to the phrase concussion-like symptoms. So this isn't the first time this has happened in history. But I don't understand how diplomats would feel like they're being traumatized in war when they're just sitting in a hotel in Havana. I don't understand the comparison. 
And that's why I chose this one because there's so many counter arguments that I have against it. I'm like, this doesn't explain people getting sick, getting lightheaded, hearing like, you know, that buzzing sound that sometimes you occasionally get. Imagine hearing that all day, every day. Yeah, that doesn't explain anything. That that. doesn't explain anything that's going on. And the staff originally complained about this as well. So why is it all of a sudden these the diplomats are war struck and war torn, but the staff isn't doesn't make any sense. The authors describe the diplomats who became sick as participants in a continuation of the Cold War, living in a hostile foreign country where they were under constant surveillance. Yeah, okay. Between 2016 and 2017, staff in Havana were living in a cauldron of stress and uncertainty amid rumors of an enigmatic sonic weapon. The political and scientific evidence for the perpetration of an attack on the U.S. Embassy and staff is inconclusive, they wrote in the paper. What is more likely, the diplomats were the target of a mysterious new weapon for which there is no concrete evidence. Or were they suffering from psychogenetic symptoms generated by stress? The evidence overwhelmingly points to the latter. All of them were stressed at the same exact amount at the same exact time? There have been four separate studies of Havana's syndrome to date. Each has critical design flaws, including inflated conclusions and the lack of evidence for exposure to an energy or a toxin. None adequately tested the hypothesis they propose while prompting exotic explanations that are not supported by facts. There is not a 100% agreed upon answer to this strange incident as of yet. So this was all, that last part was what I had to say about it because I looked up four different researches and they all had the most ridiculous answers. And the only thing that I could think of was it was an experiment on a sonic weapon. That's the only thing that I can think. Maybe. It makes sense. And that's probably why they don't want to admit what's going on. Totally. So yeah, that was, that happened. And I remember reading about it and just being baffled because it's just like, you can't sit there and say, why didn't the whole street get affected? Why didn't the whole block? Why is it just happens to be the U.S. embassy that gets this attack? It just, it doesn't seem like a mass hysteria or a sound pitch from the wall from salt. Like, I mean, everything. It was just... The idea that people are accepting some of these theories is just ridiculous to me. The craziest one, the conspiracy theorist, is the one that makes the most sense to me. Go figure, right? Yeah. So I have one more left. And this last medical case was about a girl who would forever remain a child, despite years passing. And her name was Brooke. Brooke Megan Greenberg was an American who remained physically and cognitively similar to a toddler, despite increasing age. She was about 30 inches or 76 centimeters tall. And weighed about 16 pounds, 7.3 kilograms. So she wasn't even three feet tall. And had an estimated mental age of nine months to one year. But she was fully grown. Brooke's doctors determined her condition as Syndrome X. Brooke was born on January 8th, 1993 to parents Howard and Melanie Greenberg at Sinai Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. She was delivered via C-section one month from her due date due to intermittent growth, weighing just four pounds, 1.8 kilograms so even in the womb she was she was tiny she was born with anterior hip dislocation a condition that caused her legs to be swiveled upward towards her shoulders it was actually corrected surgically so you would never actually know otherwise brooke appeared to be a normal infant she was the third daughter born of four sisters they were all normal emily caitlin and carly so she's number four like she's the baby she couldn't walk or talk and was fed by a stomach tube however over several years the Greenbergs visited many specialists because when they realized like, hey, the baby's not growing, what's right. going on? You know, and that's kind of when they realized like something's up. But they started feeding her through stomach tubes while she's getting all these tests. Over the several years, the Greenbergs visited many specialists looking for an explanation for their daughter's strange condition. Yet there was no diagnosis of any known genetic syndrome or chromosomal abnormality. In 2001, when Dateline documented Brooks at eight years of age, she was still the size of a six month old infant. Holy shit. 
The family still had no explanation. Brooke's mother, Melanie, said, quote, they, the specialists, just said she'll catch up. Then they, we went to a nutritionist, endocrinologist. We tried growth hormone. The growth hormone had no effect. Bird's father said, I mean, she did not put on an ounce. She didn't grow an inch. That's when I knew there was a problem. After the growth hormone administration failed, the doctors, unable to diagnose a condition, named her condition Syndrome X. The Greenbergs made many visits to nearby John Hopkins Children's Center and even took Brooke to New York's Mount Sinai, searching for information about their daughter's condition. When geneticists sequenced Greenberg's DNA, they found that genes associated with premature aging diseases were normal, unlike the mutated versions in which patients with Werner syndrome and progeria have. Brooke Greenberg died on October 24, 2013, at the Herman and Walter Samuelson Children's Hospital at Sinai Medical Center in Baltimore, the same hospital she was born. Her funeral service took place October 27, 2013, and that same morning, she was buried at Baltimore Hebrew Cemetery in Reistertown, Maryland. The cause of her death was bronchomalacia, a medical condition usually occurring in children, which results with difficulty breathing due to weak cartilage in the walls of the bronchial tubes. Brooke was technically 20 years old. Holy crap. I'm surprised she even like survived that long. What was odd and interesting was I watched a couple of videos and she really did look like a toddler, but her parents were like, she looks I like a toddler and she behaves like a toddler but you can tell she's fully aware. She's She didn't act like a baby where they'd be like cooing and cawing, just, you know? I think that's even worse because it's like, at least if her mentality was there, it wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. But to, to think that she had like a fully developed 20-year-old brain that just couldn't do anything else and just couldn't yeah, help they said like kind of makes They even said when she was a teenager, she kind of was like a little more snarky. Like they noticed, the, right. they, this is their fourth child. She went through the phases. Yeah. They know patterns. So for so to see, you know, see her parents going, you know, Brooke, even though she's little, we do understand she's older. Like they knew that, you know, something was wrong and that, that made it like a little more heartbreaking. But she found some kind of crazy fountain of youth, but it was with the craziest twists I've ever heard. Those were some of the craziest medical mysteries that I could find on. And none of them, in my opinion, gave me, I didn't walk away feeling like there was any real solution to any of it. There isn't for any of them. They're all just guesses. But I guess that's the medical world. You guess until you get it right, right? I guess so. And I guess we just don't have answers for everything. Sad just because I feel like I hate when people don't get answers. Yeah. I, I know like personally as someone who it took years to diagnose issues that they, medical issues, like it was so fucking frustrating not knowing, knowing something's wrong with you and not knowing what is wrong with you so that you couldn't fix it. Totally. So like, I just like, I just couldn't imagine. Yeah. This was like. That sucks. Like I can't imagine it actually. That's why it's so sad. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who, who does, does that? that? Oddly, throughout this whole quarantine, I feel like I had such a hard time finding shit. I fucking found this shit real quick. That's good. Maybe things are getting funnier. So this ha- actually happened not too long ago. It happened on June 29th. And the headline from HuffPost, of course, reads, Louisiana man faces charges for swimming in sporting goods store fish tanks. You know what's crazy? I went to the first time I ever went to like Bass Pro Shop or one of those places. They had one of those. And I literally said to myself, I wonder if anyone's ever dove in. Well, (laughs) yes, probably. The suspect told reporters he plunged into an indoor aquarium at a base pro shop in Bossier City to celebrate. Wait, wait, wait until you find out why he fucking did this. And this is why I chose it to celebrate getting 2000 likes on TikTok. Oh, man. You mean the Chinese app that they're thinking about banning in the U.S.? (laughs) Right, because that's totally going to do something for us. So in Bossier City, Louisiana, police in Louisiana were able to reel in a man captured on video swimming through a fish tank at a sporting goods store. 
Wait until you find out how old this dude is. Kevin Wise, 26, a.k.a. a little too old for TikTok and to act You're like this. You're not 19. Come on, guys. I thought that oh. he was going to be like 16. Dude, I'm over a certain age, you shouldn't have TikTok. But Kevin Wise, 26, told KSLA TV that he plunged into the indoor aquarium at a, bo- at a base pro shop in Bossier City last week to follow through on a promise he made to followers on the social media platform TikTok. Quote, I said that if I got 2,000 likes, I would jump in the tank, Wise said. I got way more than that and didn't want to be a liar, which I can appreciate you not being a liar, but you're also an idiot. I wonder how many likes he got after he actually did it. Oh, I want to know because you said you got a lot more. So like, how many likes did you get? But he got tons of likes on this story. (laughs) Right? A video captured by shopper Treasure McGraw showed Wise swimming through the tank before climbing out and running from the store with wet clothes. So, like, he wasn't even shopping. He literally went into the store just to jump into this tank. Quote, we heard a big splash, and I thought it was one of the fish, McGraw told the news outlet. My fiancé was like, somebody's in the tank, and we saw the guy swimming. Base Pro Shops filed a complaint with the Bossier City Police Department Friday, saying it cost them money to empty out the 13,000-gallon aquarium and clean it after Wise's swim. K-T-E-L-T-V reported. And like, that's why people didn't realize is you have to now clean out that whole Yeah, because those tanks are, A, they're massive, and B, your skin and your all your fluids will change yeah, the, the fish's, you know, their temperatures and everything like that. So, right, like you're messing with like animal. life there. Yeah. Wise was charged with simple criminal damage to property and released with a citation to appear in court, police said. He told KSLA-TV he planned on continuing to make videos for his followers, but cautioned others against doing similar quote-unquote spur-of-the-moment pranks. Well, maybe he can start a GoFundMe for all the fees he's, and the fines he's right? going to have to pay. You're get from those 2,000 people who liked your shit, maybe they'll help you get out of this shit in the fucking yeah, court. Yeah, you better come up with... 2000 per each like just to be able to pay all your loans. Right? Be like, all of these followers that encouraged me to do this prank, send me a dollar to pay for my legal fees. I can't. Yeah, you are way too... You are way too grown to be doing that, man. Come on, grow up. I'm telling you when I read it and I was like, they say, man, maybe he was, I even would have accepted up until maybe 19 years old because you're still, especially man, they're still I was legitimately thinking 19 because I'm like, okay, deduct three years for most women at 19. That's about 16. And they they said, man, they would have said child if he was under 18. So I'm like, he has to be like 18, 19. When I saw 26, I'm like, you know what? You deserve everything that's coming to you because you are way too fucking old for this shit. Exactly. I'm like, you're, you're just, uh, just go home. Like This is why people hate millennials. It's from people like this who go on TikTok and make these ridiculous fucking things. I mean, the only thing I can give him is that he kept his fucking promise. Like, that's all I can say. You kept your promise. Yeah, you kept your promise to be a jackass. You're just as dumb as you said you would be. But anyway, that is our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Like, subscribe, leave us a review, check us out on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, all that good stuff, but most importantly, stay weird, Americas. Bye! Bye.